So we find ourselves, <coughs> excuse me, in the Wednesday, two days before Passover, as the Gospel of Mark will say in verse 1, now Passover and unleavened bread were two days away, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him. For they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise there might be a riot of the people. So what we have here in the Wednesday before Jesus' death is a lot of stuff going on. And one of the things that captured my attention most was about the costly perfume that was poured over Jesus' head. And this is coming from someone who is in contrast uh, and unnamed, but in contrast to Judas. So as we get on into the podcast episode for Wednesday, in the last seven days of Jesus' life there, we have the idea of going from Palm Sunday, where he enters into Jerusalem, riding a donkey and now we're on Wednesday and we'll highlight some things about this central action of the plot as it thickens and we hear about this unnamed woman who is going to be always made known as in verse 9 Jesus says truly I say to you wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world what this woman has done will also be spoken in memory of her. So that's what we're trying to get at in today's episode of Lighthouse Podcast. So the clock is ticking for Jesus, and it seems like the central figure is someone we can't even put a name uh, to or on. And so what we have here on the Wednesday before Passover, two days before Passover in the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, <clears throat> which will last a, a quite a bit longer. Uh, we have this idea of Jesus coming in to Bethany. So it's the house, uh, Bethany as you know would be called the house of the poor. That's what the meaning of Bethany is supposed to mean. And so I want to read the 11 verses that we have here for Wednesday. And beginning in Mark chapter 14, we'll go... 1 through 11 again. Now the Passover and unleavened bread were two days away, and the chief priests 
and scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him. For they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise there might be a riot of the people. While he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard, and she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii, and the money could be given to the poor, and they were scolding her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went off to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. They were glad when they heard this and promised to give him money. And he began seeking how to betray him at an opportune time. So immediately we find that after we have talked about the past few days where Jesus has entered into Jerusalem on a donkey, demonstrating uh, in a political theater way, he has rode in on a donkey instead of a war horse. He has um, kind of demonstrated or protested about the Uh, imperial power that Rome has and then he will go into the temple and he will teach and he will protest against the corruption of the uh, priestly class or the aristocracy that is in league or in bed with Rome and the power that controls the temple and there will be the demonstration of the uh, turning over the money changers tables and those that were selling doves their tables were turned over as well and Jesus stops sacrifice he stops the system from moving and that is another frame that Mark is giving us where we're able to see uh, even as the fig tree was cursed and you have that spoken of uh, and on one occasion and they come back to that where Peter says look it's cursed it's it's withered to the roots uh, after you've cursed it so you have this idea that Jesus is predicting the destruction of the temple and the city because of its um, unfruitfulness, its inability to produce the kind of fruit that God wanted. And so now we find ourselves on Wednesday, and there is more drama, and it's getting even worse because... Uh, While Jesus is in the temple and he's doing these things, it seems like the crowds from Galilee had followed him there. And all of the pilgrims in the temple courts uh, may be totaling upwards of 100,000 people, which the the temple could easily bear. Uh, You you have Jesus uh, being kind of insulated by the crowds. And so what we have here in chapter 14 of Mark 
is we have this idea where he says, or, or where Mark is saying, he says the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth. So they could have arrested him in the temple courts, but they feared the crowd. Uh, for they were saying not during the festival, otherwise there might be a riot of the people. So you have a very unstable situation in the temple at this, at, at this time near Passover because Passover was a, a um, celebration, kind of like independence uh, from Egypt, kind of like the 4th of July. And But Israel is not independent of Rome, and they are seeking a way to become independent again, so they want political liberation. And anything um, that happens in the temple that might cause a riot is cause for concern, because the Romans uh, might easily, through Pilate's authority, might come and just destroy the temple and the city, and they don't want that. So you have to be, you have to be, it's kind of like touch and go with what's going on in the, in the temple. So here in the first two verses, we get that frame of where they wanted to seize him by stealth so that they could kill him. And then in the last two verses of chapter 14, verses 1 through 11, then you have verses 10 saying, and 11 saying, then Judas Iscariot, who is one of the 12, uh, went off to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And they were glad when they heard this and promised to give him money. And he began seeking how to betray him at an opportune time. So obviously, um, this is the way that Jesus is going to be betrayed. It is going to be by stealth. Um, they're going to use one of the twelve, which doesn't speak well of the twelve. Uh, the twelve, even though they did follow Jesus and continue to hang on, uh, they too are uh, oblivious, it seems like, to maybe what is actually going to happen here in chapter 14, um, as we see played out through the anointing of Jesus' head. So this needs to take us back a little bit, because all the way from chapter 8, we find that Jesus leaves Caesarea Philippi, and then he's on his way to Jerusalem. And But he predicts the reason for his going to Jerusalem, and he tells the disciples that it is he, that he's going to basically be killed by the chief priests and the scribes and the priestly class and so they don't they don't agree with that and you see Peter objecting to that and then Jesus turns and faces the 12 or the other 11 and he basically accuses them of having demonic satanic uh, mindsets or Worldviews when it comes to the Messiah. So this is extremely confusing and, and traumatic for them. So they they don't have any idea. So it's repeated um, in in the following chapters that Jesus this is this is what he's going to do, and he tells the crowds as well 
even though they're enthusiastic, that, hey, you need to take up your cross and follow me. So in other words, everybody's on their way, the road, which is, uh, I think, hodos, um, in Greek, which it, it means the way. <clears throat> Everyone is on their way uh, to death with Jesus. In other words, he is giving them the plan. And the reason I'm saying this is because this is what they don't recognize. But the woman who is not named recognizes this. She seems extremely insignificant in the picture here in chapter 14 that Mark paints. And this is not to be confused with the other anointings that Jesus has of his feet uh, with the woman's hair and the, her tears. Um, this, is, this is something that is going on that is a, Mark is giving us an indication of what is going to happen to Jesus again. He is going to die and be buried. And so the, the dramatic stage is continuing to be set. I think that we could probably imagine the narrow little alleyways that lead into the side uh, of houses or doors that are shadowy. And then you would find Jesus um, in the recesses of the city in Simon the leper's house. And then you have where you would probably expect Jesus to be, not among uh, the, the popularity or the fanfare at the time, but this is a serious time. And he's going to be at home with uh, doing the things that he normally would do with those who might be insignificant. Uh, in the eyes of everybody else. And so this is why you have this, the, the picture that Mark is giving us of Jesus oh, of Jesus being um, anointed with the very costly perfume and then the woman being scolded uh, hatefully um, by some that were there. So this is, this is an extremely intense situation. And so what we have here in Mark chapter 14 is a person who is actually understanding what this is all about and the reason she does this is because she knows that he's going to die and how he's going to die maybe uh, but she knows that she's not going to be able to anoint him as king after he dies and so this is the reason she does this. Uh, this is what verse 8 says. She has done what she could. Um, this is an interesting phrase. She has done what she could. Where everybody else is, is waiting for uh, their dreams or ambitions or their um, uh, of what they think is going to happen as they enter the city with the crowd they think that they're going to be maybe insulated and there will be something that uh, is going to happen in the city soon. They just are waiting on Jesus to ignite it all and the anticlimactic scenes of riding into the city on a donkey and then into the temple and protesting seem to be anticlimactic for the entire crowd and the disciples. And now you have this behind the scenes uh, behind closed doors scene where Jesus is being anointed with the perfume. Now I, you know, I came up with a number I could be completely off. 
but 300 uh, denarii uh, is is 300 days wages. So if you took the average uh, wage uh, in the in the day, I, I I mean in today's world, I don't know what that would average out to be worldwide, but in the um, United States, it might it may come out to something like thirty-five, forty thousand dollars worth of perfume. So, um, it's expensive perfume, regardless, and that's why some are so uh, hateful and scolding her because they think that uh, that that could have been sold. So I I don't know. Uh, what kind of car you drive, but is it worth $35,000? Um, that's like uh, saying that, you know, if you got a $35,000 vehicle and then you just disassembled it and, you know, uh, made it into a piece of art for Jesus before he, you don't know what he's going to do, somebody could easily be like, this, this person's an idiot. <laughs> that could have been sold, and and there could have been so much good done uh, with the money that you could have gotten from that sale. Uh, but uh, but Jesus knows what's going on, obviously, and he says to her in verse uh, six, uh, "Let her alone. Why do you bother her? Uh, this what what she's done is good. Uh, what she's done to me is good." And so um, he says. You always have the poor with you. You know that. And so he's scolding them, I think. And whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But they're, that's not their heart. That's not their... They've seen his life. They've seen his ministry. They've seen him be good to the poor. And he will always be that way, as we should. But we don't see ourselves maybe as going to death with him. Uh, we don't see ourselves maybe going to the cross with him. We think that that's just his job. And um, this is what happens in the story, obviously, of his death. Because this woman has done what she could. And so she anoints him as king uh, with that perfume beforehand for the burial. And so obviously there are burial practices and uh, that would have Jesus wrapped in the burial clothes, and we can we'll talk about that at some other point. But you have this picture here, where Jesus says, "Truly, I say to you, wherever the good news—that is, the good news of the kingdom—is uh, preached in the whole world, and that's a direct affront to the kingdom that is ruling the world. That's the Roman kingdom." And the the Jewish aristocracy, the Sanhedrin, the um, priestly class is in league with them. And so you have the ultimate corruption going on. And this is why Jesus is going to expose it through his demonstrations and then his death. He's going to bring um, peace through justice, but divine justice where God is going to vindicate Jesus through the resurrection as we approach uh, the the following first day of the week, the Sunday. So what we have here in Wednesday, two days before Passover in the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is you have the plotting, 
of how to kill Jesus by stealth, and that's going to be accomplished, obviously, through uh, Judas. And Judas, in uh, the other Gospels, you're going to have Luke in chapter 22 and John in his Gospel saying that um, Satan, or, uh, or the devil, is has influenced him. So you have that rehearsing or that reviewing of the fact that the what is happening is that the demonic forces, the satanic force, is against Jesus and it has made itself present in one of the disciples, all of the disciples actually, but um, because he says Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, and that's a way of saying that the in all the twelve who betray Jesus, who, um, uh, you know, they act like traitors, basically. Uh, that's what that happens. They do, they do not go to the cross with him. That's why Peter says, you know, I'm never going to let this happen. And he's going to, Jesus is going to give Peter that prediction about, well, uh, you know, will you die for me kind of thing, where really, Peter, you you give your life up for me, and he says you're gonna you're gonna regret that. So this is in chapter 14 of Mark, verses 1 through 11, and we have on this Wednesday that this woman is going to be remembered, and we're talking about her now, even though we don't know her name, but she'll be among those who are at the cross, at the foot of the cross, when Jesus is being uh, killed, and so that's what. That's what is so amazing about this, uh, because it just seems like something that um, you you can't make this stuff up, and so we begin to see the story unfold even more on the Wednesday, and so this has been another episode of Lighthouse Podcast, and the next one will be in regard to Thursday's drama. And yeah, we deserve some dramatic music for these situations as we finish our episode today. Have a good Wednesday, and we'll be talking to you tomorrow.